Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Cuba implements new protocols as COVID-19 cases exceed 1 million. Caribbean tourism organization hopeful of gradual rebound despite onset of Omicron variant. Prime Minister Motley says injunction filed to delay Barbados election. Jamaica's export earnings of 1.15 billion U.S. dollars. After three years of pumping oil, Guyana still without capacity to do environmental tests. And Relic Health Technologies, Inc. announces new contracts in Texas, California, and Puerto Rico. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Tuesday, January 18th. We start a report today in Cuba. HaitiNews.net via Chinua News reports that the Cuban government has announced new protocols for COVID-19 hospitalization as the country's COVID-19 caseload surpassed 1 million on Monday. The Caribbean nation on Monday registered 3,306 confirmed cases and one more virus-related debt, taking the nation's count to 1,002,499 and 8,341 respectively, said the country's health ministry. At present, there are 17,443 active COVID-19 cases across the country, 41 of them being treated in intensive care units. The ministry said the Omicron variant is becoming predominant across Cuba as daily infections are projected to climb until the end of February. In the face of the Omicron variant, health authorities have prioritized in-home care to ease the strain on hospitals. Children under age of two, people with severe symptoms of disease, and those living with underlying medical conditions will be hospitalized. In addition, people who are not fully vaccinated, as well as pregnant and postpartum women, will be hospitalized after testing positive for the novel coronavirus. Asymptomatic COVID-19 cases and those reporting mild symptoms must self-isolate at home for one week under regular epidemiological monitoring from the neighborhood doctor's office. The new protocols also include the administration of preventative medication for senior citizens and other vulnerable groups. The Caribbean nation has reported 32,720 COVID-19 cases since January. International travelers flying into Cuba now are required to show proof of vaccination and a negative result PCR tests taken within 72 hours before arrival. In addition, all passengers from South Africa, Luetsu, Botswana, Ethwani, Nambia, Zimbabwe, Malawi, and Mozambique must stay at designated quarantine hotels for a week at their own expense. So far, over 87% of the country's population has been fully inoculated with homegrown vaccines made in Cuba, and more than 3.5 million Cuban nationals have received booster shots at the ministry. The St. Kitts Nevis Observer reports that despite the region's grappling with the effects of the new Omicron variant, which is affecting international travel adversely, the Caribbean Tourism Organization said it is heartened by the recovery experience and the lessons learned in 2021. Over the past 18 months, Caribbean destinations, without exception, have shown their resilience in creating strategies for recovery, incorporating frequently updated travel protocols and collaborations with regional and international partners in the area of health and economic support 
support and development. Recovery in each instance has taken place while ensuring the health and safety of residents and visitors alike. The Caribbean Tourism Organization noted that by mid-2021, there was a turnaround in tourism activity, with the Caribbean exceeding the global average for stayover arrival growth and tourism contributions to gross domestic product. During the third quarter of 2021, there were 5.4 million tourist arrivals to the region, almost three times the arrival for the same period in 2020, but still 23.3% below 2019 levels. Preliminary reports suggest that this progress continued through to the end of the last quarter. Consequently, it is estimated that tourist arrivals for 2021 will exceed 2020 levels by 60 to 70 percent, the regional tourism organization stated. It added that there is a demand for the region's tourism product as shown by its ability to outpace the global growth average for arrivals, and it is our responsibility to ensure that we continue to position the region to meet the demands in new and refreshed ways, noting that the region's human resources are critical to the success of the sector. The Caribbean Tourism Organization said that during 2022, it hopes to build on a regional study of human resources to maintain the excellency of our hospitality. Dominica News Online reports that Barbados Prime Minister Mia Motley says the opposition has filed an injunction to stop the country's general election scheduled for Wednesday. According to the Jamaica Observer, Motley made the announcement during a campaign stop in St. Lucie late Monday. The urgent application was filed around 4 p.m. on Monday. The matter is expected to be heard today, Tuesday. Motley dropped a political bombshell late last year when she called the snap election for January 19th. A total of 108 candidates representing seven political parties and nine independents are contesting the poll that political observers say will be a straight fight between the ruling BLP and Democratic Labor Party. Barbados Today reports that just over 92% of the Barbadian population, or 266,330 people, are registered to vote on Wednesday in the first general election since Barbados became a republic state last November, declaring that the Electoral and Boundaries Commission is ready and will be following the COVID-19 protocols to a letter, said Chairman Leslie Haynes on Monday afternoon as he outlined all measures that will be in place. The voting process, which will begin at 6 a.m., could go well into the night as a result of added protocols in place because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Haynes reported that there will be close to 3,700 workers at polling stations across the island on Election Day. In the last general election on May 24, 2018, in which the Barbados Labor Party, BLP, claimed all 30 seats, 
there were some 255,833 people qualified to vote. Voter turnout was estimated around 60 percent. Haynes gave the assurance that the election workers were adequately trained and would be following the protocols outlined by the COVID-19 monitoring unit. While the cutoff time for voters to reach the polling station is 6 p.m., Haynes gave the assurance that everyone in the line by that time will be allowed to cast their ballot. Individuals will not be required to present proof of vaccination or a negative COVID-19 test result to vote. But if their temperature is too high on the day, they will be given priority. The Anguillian reports that the government of Anguilla has plans to make a cash infusion to the financially troubled Anguilla Electric Company Limited. Speaking at the government's weekly press conference in December, Premier Dr. Ellis Lorenzo Webster reported, Central Government has made its payment to Anguilla Electricity Company Limited and is looking into making cash advances to the company. We are still working out the details at this point through the Ministry of Finance. The Premier noted that the Central Government has written to its statutory bodies so that they make every effort to become current with the Anguilla Electricity Company Limited. He noted that at one point in time, some of the statutory bodies have been current, but there are a couple that have large arrears. We are working on them. He continued, the statutory bodies are outside of central government, although the ministers do have some responsibilities. Discussions are ongoing, and we are working with the CEOs of those boards to come up with solutions. The premier assured the public that the existing relationship between both entities is cordial. He said, as you know, the government of Anguilla is responsible for 79% of the shares of Anguilla Electricity Company Limited, and the board of the Anguilla Electricity Company Limited is selected by the entities that control the shares. It is public knowledge that Dr. Wycliffe Foy has resigned. No replacement has been made at this time, but it is being worked on. The relationship right now is good. Jamaica Information Service reports that Jamaica generated calendar year export earnings of 1.15 billion U.S. dollars between January and September 2021. This outturn represents a 26.3 percent increase over the 910.7 million U.S. dollars recorded for the corresponding period in 2020. Statistical Institute of Jamaica Director General Carol Coy says the increase was mainly driven by higher exports of mineral fuels, which climbed by 96.8 percent. Ms. Coy said earnings from domestic exports increased by 18.4 percent to 1.03 billion U.S. dollars and accounted for 89.6 percent of total outflows. Exports from the manufacturing industry increased by 32.1 percent due mainly to higher outflows of refined petroleum products and food, beverages and tobacco, she further informed. The director general told journalists that earnings from the mining and quarry were 6.2 percent above the corresponding nine-month period in 2020 due to higher exports of alumna. 
Additionally, she said agricultural exports rose by 7.5 percent, largely resulting from higher outflows of coffee and yams. Ms. Coy advised that Jamaica's imports expenditures between January and September 2021 climbed to 4.25 billion U.S. dollars. She pointed out that this is a 23.3 percent increase over the 3.4 billion spent for the corresponding period the previous year. The director general said this was largely attributable to higher imports of consumer goods, totaling 9.5 percent, raw materials intermediate goods up 22.2 percent, and fuels and lubricants up 62.2 percent. It should be noted that spending on exports has not yet returned to the pre-coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic levels. In the corresponding 2019 report, imports were valued at 4.85 billion U.S. dollars. Jamaica Information Service also reports that Jamaica's unemployment rate fell to a record low of 7.1 percent for October 2021, according to the Statistical Institute of Jamaica Labor Force Survey for the month. This is a 0.1 percent point lower than the previous 7.2 percent pre-coronavirus COVID-19 outturn recorded in 2019. Director Carol Coy said the October 2021 figure also represents a 3.7 percent point decline relative to the corresponding period last year. Ms. Coy said that 32.4 percent less unemployed persons for the review period relative to October 2020. The unemployment rate for males was 5.5 percent and 9 percent for females. The number of unemployed males and females declined by 36.2 percent and 29.4 percent respectively, she said. Crider News reports that following a review of the facilities and equipment, it has been found that Guyana's laboratories do not have the capacity to do proper environmental tests associated with the oil and gas sector. This was noted in ExxonMobil's comprehensive waste management plan submitted to Guyana's Environmental Protection Agency last year. The document notes that ExxonMobil's subsidiary, Esso Exploration and Production Guyana Limited, reviewed four laboratories that are in operation performing various degrees of analytical services or have future planned operations. After three years of pumping oil, Guyana is still without capacity to do environmental tests. It was noted that Kaizen Georgetown has a small lab with limited testing capacity, no solid waste, with a small staff of approximately eight people for executing tests and other functions of this business. SO Exploration and Production Guyana Limited said the University of Guyana Georgetown has multiple analytical instruments but no laboratory. The company said the analytical instruments are not currently available for commercial purposes nor on a regular basis. Currently suitable analytical testing is available in Trinidad. 
But the use of a Trinidad laboratory extends the timeline for completion of test results, along with attendant challenges associated with transportation of samples. Taking the foregoing into consideration, ESO Exploration and Production Guyana Limited suggested that an economic feasibility study be considered to determine if a commercial environmental laboratory in Guyana is a suitable business with respect to supply and demand. SO Exploration and Production Guyana Limited said other options to the development of a commercial environmental laboratory includes the expansion of the existing University of Guyana laboratory to provide additional analytical services to commercial customers or the development of a laboratory owned and operated by the Environmental Protection Agency that can provide analytical services to support its needs. SO Exploration and Production Guyana Limited also recommended further collaboration with Guyana's EPA and potential stakeholders on the feasibility of expanding environmental testing services in Guyana to support commercial and government environmental data needs. And finally, Global Newswire reports that Relic Health Technologies, Inc., a rapidly growing global healthcare technology company that develops innovative virtual care solutions for the multi-billion dollar healthcare market, today announced that it has signed a new contract with five physicians practicing in Texas, Puerto Rico, and California. We are pleased to be adding these five practices to our platform, said Dr. Lisa Crossley, CEO of of Relic Health Technologies, Inc. These new clients include primary care, internal medicine, nephrology, and orthopedic practices. These contracts will add over 3,000 patients to our platform by the end of quarter two at an average revenue of over $60 per patient per month. The Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services have increased reimbursement amounts by over 8% relative to 2021 for existing covered services, including remote patient monitoring, chronic care management, behavioral integration, and transitional care management. Effective January 1, 2022, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services has also introduced five new billing codes for remote therapeutic monitoring, which allows for the monitoring of both physiological and non-physiological data for patients who have musculoskeletal conditions or asthma. These increases financial incentives clearly demonstrate CMS's commitment to funding proactive preventative healthcare programs aimed at preventing complications and hospitalizations in patients with chronic conditions, improving health outcomes, and reducing healthcare costs. Market demand for Relic's products continues to grow as more clinicians recognize the benefit of IUGO's care for both their patients and their practices. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Tuesday, January 18. I'm Keisha Wallace, thanking you for choosing Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup as your source for Caribbean-centered news right here Monday through Friday. Be sure to spread the word to family, friends, and associates. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, now Meta. Meta.